busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I feel like with the natural progression of our conversations, this is the most opportune time to talk to you about secondhand anger. Now, when you hear secondhand anger, or at least when I hear it, I think of secondhand smoke, you know, secondhand trauma, pretty much essentially with secondhand being, if not worse than, but close to the firsthand situation, the firsthand smoking and all of that. It always boggles my brain that someone who will never pick up a cigarette, if they're in close proximity to someone who smokes consistently over time, that they will inherit some type of lung issue, emphysema or something to that effect. That's the whole reason why legislation had to make that whole rule like, listen, y'all can't smoke in a car because this is ridiculous, the amount of people who are suffering because of your life choices. So, being that at this very moment, at this conversation, I done unveiled some real, real, you know, sensitive areas of my life. We done talked about my biological father. I done told you about the unblending situation that's been occurring with my bonus children. And I just got this notion that we need to talk about this. And I'll tell you where the idea came from. I was listening to Joyce Meyer. You know that she is like my mother in my head, like... I know that we don't look alike, but, you know, that's between you and God. And I heard her saying on a podcast or podcast, I heard, yeah, actually I do listen to her podcast. It's one of her sermons though. But I heard her saying on her podcast that when her father was sexually molesting her as a child, on one of those occasions, and I told you this before, her mother actually walked in on the situation. She didn't go into details. I didn't want to ask about the details, nor that I want to hear it, because just hearing that statement alone just brings on a certain level of violence that may not be godly. And on another note, not only did her mother walk in on it, but on another occasion, she actually opened up and told her mother, hey, this is what's happening. And given those opportunities, her mother still neglected to protect her. And Joyce Meyer actually said She didn't know who she was more angry at at one point in her life. If it was her father for actually doing the act or if it was her mother for not saving her from the act. And I was like, "Mm, wait a minute, that kind of, that did a couple of things. So I went ahead and started talking to my husband about that. I was like, quick question for you because I just wanted to see it, it was such an amazing epiphany. I wanted to see what his thinking was like. And he was like, no, isn't that pretty much, I, I agree with that. Because um, I was like, listen, is it human nature to be angry at the person who is not doing the act? Or is that just a traumatic, abusive trait? Like kind of was, you know, trying to get through all that. And he was like, no, people do it in relationships all the time. Isn't that why trust issues emerge? And I was like, okay, Bishop, give me a little bit more. And he was like, for instance, you know, people feeling some type of way about your phone being on silent or, you know, relationships getting modified because it's a trigger for what happened in a relationship prior. And I was like, ooh, that is true. People do tend to bleed on people that did not cut them initially. And he was like, yeah, so it's not just, you know, you or Joyce Meyer. It's people do it in different phases. And so... It led me to go ahead and do what I only know how to do, which is reflect back on my own journey and see if that applied. 
And I thought about the conversation that you and I had when I was talking about my biological father. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember telling you prior to this epiphany that I was angry with my nanny because it almost felt like mm, she was helping biological father not be in my life. Right. And so I felt some kind of way where all the anger and animosity and all that that I was kind of feeling brewing for a biological father went ahead and transfer right over from checking the savings <laughs> to nanny's account like here you go you're going to get some of this him you know and when I looked at that and I zoomed out to get a better picture so it just won't be all emotional because I feel like because women are wired to be emotional the only time that you're able to really get a full scope is you got to come off of that thing you got to zoom all the way out so that some logic can shine through and when I weighed the option or that situation with nanny my thing was you know I had to ask myself why did you have secondhand anger from with her and my truth was I was angry at the person who could have made a difference I was angry at the person who knew up close and personal the effects and the impact that said situation had on me and the fact that, yes, I understand that you can't force a grown person to do nothing. You can't even force another person to do anything. I get that. But the fact that I did not see anything walked out that showed I'm going to go ahead and do as much as I can do in my power to show you that what's important to you is important to me. And because that was not translated to me in that way, it was, you know what, you getting some of this anger too, ma'am. Have a nice day. So it made me go ahead and start looking at other situations. Remember, I talked to you about the whole thing with my bonus children and us having to go to court and do all these other, uh, you know, the rigmarole of all of that. Uh, my husband and I took two different approaches on that. He, all of his anger and righteous you know posture and all that that it was directed toward their mother because he felt like the she was a responsible adult you know the children were doing whatever they were doing but she was the adult that was able to go ahead and carry out the court hearings and the blase blues and she could have stopped it at any given time we had the same outlook but we were angry at two different sets of people i was angry at the bonus children i'm not even gonna hold you because my thinking was, if not, if they would not come to the home, create a Tasmanian situation, take the aftermath of the Tasmanian situation, transfer it over, and then go tell their tale of it to their mother. Their mother then reacted from the information that was carried from this home to the, her home. Then it wouldn't have been no court hearings or nothing else to march to. And yes, she was probably adding her own tail on the dog, but guess who was delivering the extra tail? You see what I'm saying? So for a large portion of the journey, I was looking at them like, you're the problem. And it made me kind of discover something about me. I tend to get angry at the cause, at the catalyst, at the Judas, never really looking at as we talked about before, Judas was the catalyst for Calvary. You know, as I'm always telling you, take the pain, not the problem and get, you know, permit it. What is it trying to better in you? But the way that, you know, my brain is set up the secondhand anger, I am mad at, okay, time out because I got to put these emotions somewhere, right? When a situation comes on the onset, first thing I'm doing is, ooh, I feel something and <laughs> yeah, my, boil, my blood is starting to boil. 
first order of business, who, who caused this? Okay, cool. Second order of business, who is in this situation that has the capacity to make a difference? And then for some reason, all of my energy transfers over to that. And I was just like, wow, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty dope. Dope because I realized anger is just not one faceted. You really got to look at things in a whole different scope. And that's why I love all things growth and perspective and just growing up to not just bling people and all that other jazz. That's easy to do. We can do that with our hands tied behind our backs. The real golden nugget is to say, how do you respond when situations are happening to you? Are you the person that you lash out on the person closest to you? Are you the person that, you know, like Joyce Meyer, where you're like, mm, I don't know who to be mad at, the person who could have saved me or the person who's actually doing the harm to me? Or are you a little bit of a mixture and you got a little bit of me in you where you're like, mm, honestly, I see all that's happening, but I also see who's continuing the hamster wheel circulation and I feel some kind of way toward you. Have a nice day. It's amazing to me how learning yourself is possibly the greatest asset that you can gain in your life. Because the more that you learn about yourself, the more you know how to navigate through life, the more that you can say, listen, I, I ain't going to hold y'all. Um, I, I can't do it. My final answer is no. And it's because, and then you go ahead and fill in the thing that you know about yourself. Hey, I can't go to that family reunion because your sister is loud. And I know that's how she talks to everybody else. But she point her finger one more time and say one more thing to me. She probably not going to have all her nails. You see what I'm saying? You start to get to know yourself a little bit better. Like, look, you know what? God be the glory. Uh, I see they hiring, but I don't need that kind of pressure for that title. Because uh, the people that I'm going to have to manage, you ain't going to have but one one too many times to tell me that you're calling in sick and I know that you're not actually sick. Yeah, I, I hate to be that person, but you're not going to play me. You know, you ain't going to have these people breathing down my neck and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You see what I'm saying? So, um, bless God, I won't be applying for nothing because I can't be responsible for any adult feeling like I'm babysitting grown people who sign their own W-2. Like, what are y'all doing? Absolutely not. Have a nice day. So, um, yeah, I'm clear. When you start to be real clear on who you are, what you stand for, and how all that goes, that secondhand anger just, it, it kind of, you know, it diminishes tremendously. I'm going to give you a little small uh, example real quick because when I was going over this with my husband initially, I was like, okay, give me some more examples. And he reminded me of what happened when we went to premarital counseling. O-M-Jizzle. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We were in premarital counseling, and it's almost like this man was in a time warp, so to speak, because he started telling, and I can't even do a paraphrase. I got to just kind of just dove in I can't even try to just do the cutesy of it all he told the um premarital counselor he was like you know I just wish that you were more personable and you know that the person that I see in you is what other people see in you you know I want you to be approachable and I kind of want you and when he was talking I went from nodding my head to hearing the Charlie Brown wah, 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 wah. and I was like what Pause T for time out. What is going on right now? So 
the counselor not really knowing about us she was like okay so what's some of the things she could do? i was like time out is that how you see me and he was like yeah now to give you some backdrop we literally went to premarital counseling before we were engaged <laughs> we were literally like a couple of months in i probably about five months in because we knew very early we were going to be getting married yes shout out to us that's how we did it so most of this stuff the counselor just thought oh okay I'm just kind of mending you two together and I was like time out I think he's reading a page out of somebody else's book because that's not mine which pause real quick that is the importance of knowing your truth I knew myself well enough to know he wasn't reading my book nor was he reading my book accurately. But I knew for certain it had to be the first one. He is not reading that out of my book. Meaning, he is not looking at me and getting that information. This is coming from somewhere else. And we, we're best placed to go ahead and unfold and unveil that than in a, the setting the, as such, which is premarital counseling. So I had to pause the uh, premarital counselor. And I was like, time out. I looked back at him. I was like, you see me as the person that is unapproachable and you want people to see me the way that you see me? And he was like, yeah. I said, how is that possible when I gained over 30 new Facebook friends uh, and they all come from your side? How is that possible when you're constantly telling me how awesome people say that I am and this, that, and the third? And after bringing up facts, he had to stop and he was like, hmm, <laughs> wait a minute. And he had to check himself. He was like, I definitely I'm not talking about you that is the weirdest thing I'm talking about my ex now I'm gonna go yeah don't make that face um that was a double fold for me one it was a huh okay thank god because you got me out here in these streets looking crazy because number one I'm embarrassed you got this woman thinking I'm Tasmanian in these streets okay and I know that's not my truth and so I felt this like oh, okay thank god and then secondly I was like what when you see me you see your ex Please, what, what, I'm sorry. Is it the eyeliner? Because Bert would be in the garbage tomorrow. Like, what happened? And that's the thing that I love about my husband so much is that we very early had a approach to our relationship where we let each other know through words and through actions, you're safe here. You're safe to make mistakes. You're safe to say things that may be out of context. You're safe to do a whole bunch, but at all times, you must tell the truth and you got to face the elephant that's in the room. That's just the premise and the foundation that we set in our relationship. So once we got down to the car, because, you know, she could not wait. <laughs> uh, you going to wait to the end of the session to say that? Let's get in this car, sir. Once we got in the car, I, I, I said a couple of things, probably not as seasoned as I would have said it now, but I said a couple of things. And once we reached our destination, I was like, what was that about? And he was able to tell me so many things happened in his prior relationship with his children's mother that he was not able to just verbalize and like he didn't have any friends that he was able to just get things off of his chest. He didn't have he wanted to go to counseling. He couldn't find anyone that was, you know, counseling men who were going through divorces and all that other stuff. And so from time to time in our relationship, but that was just a magnified time in the counseling session, from time to time, the overflow of 
backed upness from his emotions on that side was spill out onto our new situation. And so I had to ask him, are you healed from that? Because I don't want to be the typical like, oh, you know, I mean, that was a perfect recipe for me to go absolutely honey glazed ham, pineapples and toothpicks, Thanksgiving style. Oh, you see me when you see her. And what he what I heard his soul telling me that his words weren't able to articulate just then. What I heard his soul telling me is. I'm still trying to unpack something that I stuffed away a long time ago. And you are my first real relationship outside of this situation, even though it's five plus years later. Uh, I have indulged into my emotional capacity since that time frame. So now that I'm in this setting where I'm safe and I'm able to go ahead and reorganize my life emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, all that with you, from time to time, I'm opening up luggage and I'm starting to see, wait a minute, this may not be mine anymore. And I had to have not only patience, not only a certain level of love, but a whole bunch of spiritual guidance to not have or to react and give him secondhand anger. Because the way that my past was set up, any mention of an ex, I'm ready to go. Give me my shoes. I'm walking. I'm ready to, because if you're not over her, then it, and that wasn't it. It wasn't that I'm not over her. It's a the only time that I've really talked about my emotions or dealt in this this particular pa- luggage in my life was that past situation. So unfortunately, these past calls are old. Like right now, this minute, if someone was to ask me, what is your uh, password for MySpace? No idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't remember it. I from the Facebooks to the IGs to the BlackBerry, you know, Instant Messenger to the Yahoo's to the MSN, to the, all the other accounts that I've had since that time, I have no idea. But if someone was to go ahead and say, oh, here's your password and was to help me sign in, there will probably be some things in there that I wouldn't A, be able to articulate and explain or recognize and then B, uh, have to go ahead and try to fit that into my life currently, it would be weird. Like if MySpace decided, okay, we're going to merge with Facebook and I just just happened to remember my password and it opened up and it merged all of this I would be like did I write that or is this my current feeling like you see what I'm saying there will be so much to dissect and really analyze to see is this something from your past or is this something that you need to go ahead and deal with now and so when we got to the end of that conversation his truth was I don't see you that way I don't even know why that came up. (laughs) I don't even. And God showed me something so beautiful. He showed me that the right woman is this particular visual that I'm getting ready to give you. Men are cables. I feel like they come already pre-installed with the slots and all that other stuff. And they have the cables going in one end. And then, you know, you you follow the cable all the way down. And there's another portion to connect, but it's just the the cable is just dangling, right? So you have, let's say, a blue one, a green one, a red one. And the red one is connected 
on the top row you see that so we had a top row that it already pre-installed and let's go ahead and say the bottom row is them coming into themselves and connecting it I feel like the red one is connected on the top and on the bottom because the red one is logic a great woman sees oh his emotional one is not plugged in where it needs to be or not plugged in at all oh hey Growth in this area hasn't been, and a, a great woman of God, a great woman will go ahead and come in and without any questions, hesitation, or negative feedback, she will connect the pieces to, no, no, baby, this, mm -mm, this blue one goes to the other blue one. And some men don't make it easy. It will be a fight to the death. No, don't. I don't need to feel. I'm a man. Men don't. Oh, okay, great. But you know what? That's how you know if you are with a man who is receptive to you being in his life. A receptive man is the man that you want to grow with. The man that fights you on things that are imperative to his growth and overall your growth being with him, that's not the man that you really want to be around. And so when I think about secondhand anger and just tending to bleed on people who don't cut and all that I just want us all to get to a place that we understand be mindful of the garbage you're packing and make sure it doesn't fumigate your current situation like please get to a place that you're able to clearly articulate okay my stuff stinks don't know which part of the closet of my life is coming from, but I am in a place that I'm not afraid anymore and I'm going to go ahead and do the necessary work to find where that smell is coming from. Because you can try to close the door all day long, pew, that stinks, and close it, but guess what? You still got to go into that part of your life at some point and you're probably going to have to go into that part of your life with someone. Please don't be embarrassed. If you have to go in there with someone and someone loves you enough to say, you know what, it's okay. We'll just wear the, the, the paint mask or whatever we need to do to unpack and, and get to where you are your healthiest, then great. But I really feel like we all should have a capacity of starting that work. It is much easier to walk into someone's life and see, oh, you started the work. Or I, I can see when you started <laughs> in this capacity. Then to feel like, bro, I got to go ahead and build a bear in this area. Like that, that that's a lot. That can take a toll on someone. You know, s some people rightfully so you know when you're thinking about the past situations like you know the Joyce Meyer thing and me with the biological father thing like some people rightfully so they deserve the crossfire of your anger and all the discharge and smoke that comes from that but honestly if you remember that we are supposed to forgive the way that we want God to forgive us if you are, are to remember that we only become as great as the people who help us, whether it's seasonal people, whether it's the people that are still in our lives, like literally the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And I believe that that iron comes from, a, from another person. I believe that God uses a shovel of people to dig out of you. We can't be there anymore because we have used those particular shovels and tools and things of that nature to pack down things that were uncomfortable, things that was just like, no, I don't want to deal and I don't want to do. And to be honest with you, I really think that that has been the basis of my freedom walk and I was just telling my husband this right before I called you the place that I'm at in my soul 
as I walk this journey, I am so free. And it's because I have a husband that not only lends an ear, not only will roll up his sleeves and say, okay, so how do we attack this situation? But he gives me the room to figure it out. And if I don't have the capacity to do so, he's all hands on deck. I think that's why every portion of my life I'm able to go back and say, hmm, and see where I can do better and how I can get better. And he's commended me this last couple of days. He's like, listen, you are so in tune with your emotions and what needs to be done that you've always been. But like, oh, my, you are so on it. And that's because now and at this juncture in my life, I am understanding the detriment of secondhand anger. What good is it to be mad at that particular coworker because they're the ones that, you know, initiated you getting that right up? What good is it is me being upset with my non-biological children, my bonus children, because, you know, they started these court hearings and this, that, and the third. What good is it to be mad at anyone in your past and you currently are living in the future? What good is it? What good is it? Secondhand anger is just as dangerous and detrimental as firsthand anger, except the secondhand receiver is usually the one that's more vulnerable. And that's what led me to really want to have this conversation. When I went back and thought about it, I was like, man, it's easier to be mad at Nanny instead of my biological father because she's the one that will be hurt. You know, if I decided to be mad at her and lash out on her and do this, that, and the third, you know, she's the one that feels the brunt of that because she's the one that actually has a relationship with me. He doesn't. You see what I'm saying? That person that you're trying to get upset. I remember a couple of years back when my daughter's father and I weren't where we were supposed to be. It was just, ugh, disgusting. My aunt was in a crossfire of that, and I stopped speaking to her, and she... And the reason why I stopped speaking to her is because she was on the back end still having conversations with him, just kind of keeping him calm and things of that nature and trying to, you know, she felt like that was the best way to keep us protected, except that she didn't tell me. And I didn't like the way that she handled that. But looking back, I can see why she did it. It's just that I wouldn't have handled it like that. So I got upset and was like, you know what? And I cut ties with her. And what did that do? What did that secondhand anger do? That secondhand anger hurt her. Because she's the one that has a relationship with me and my children and things of that nature. So my challenge to you, you already know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations. Who do you currently have secondhand anger with? Is it worth it? I didn't say if they deserve it. Is it worth it? Is it worth you letting the most vulnerable person to you? Is it worth you carrying that particular anger? And you know what? You may have something in your heart that you like, yup. <laughs> they deserve They deserve every bit of this L-M-N-O-P-Q-R. They need all these 26 alphabets. So I'm done. By the time I get to Z, I'm done. And I don't want them singing with me. Like, And, and I get it. You know, it's a fine line between did they deserve it? Or is it worth it? It's a fine line. And the only reason why I want you to free yourself of secondhand anger is because it kind of frees the person who actually caused it from any rep reprimand, right? 
No, I don't want to be angry at someone who I get to just spill over. I want the person who caused the emotional crime, the mental crime, the physical crime. I want the person who actually caused it to feel the reprimand behind that. You know, if God came down and was like, all right, I'm ready to give this vengeance out, who you want me to give it to, nanny or your father? I'm not going to say, <laughs> you, you feel me? I'm not going to say nanny. She's been there. No, bruh, I need you to go ahead and yup him. Get him, Lord, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to get in trouble if I say that. Okay, cool, yeah, get him. I mean, I know that's your child too, but personally, you know, you said you didn't have no favorites in the Bible, but personally, I do feel like we have more of an allegiance because, you know, right, we've been, th yeah, because I'm, you love me more. Just, I'm a girl, whatever, you know, daddy's little girl. However you want to do it, Lord, just give him the works. Give him the bebop. Boop, boop, bop, bop. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I mean when I say, is it worth it? And I don't mean to sound like Missy Elliott, you know, the good deaconess, but is it? Let's just all get to a place, and I'm not even, no, I wasn't going to say kumbaya. Let's just get to a place that we're very clear on our emotions. Yes, I feel some kind of way with them years when y'all told him, you know, she's here, don't pick up, or them years that I, that, your actions played to the narrative of, man, you don't want him in my life either. No, I do feel some kind of way about that. I ain't going to hold you. But I dare not transfer the same amount of anger as the person who was actually absent to the elemental P. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not even logically sound. So you go back in your life and you actually look at, okay, the situations that are touchy in your life, do you have someone that you're bleeding on from the person who actually cut you? And are you transferring responsibility through your emotion from the actual crime person, the person who committed the crime, and you're just going to go ahead and just start bleeding on, you know, whatever the accessories are around you? That's not fair. I want you to be true to your emotions. But I want the person who committed it to be the person who gets, let, let them get all that work, all the, the whole shebang, the anger, the whatever the case may be. I want you to process that in one setting because I feel like when you think of a fire, a fire is not really out of control, nor is it um, scary or a detriment when it's contained. You know, a fire in a fireplace, oh, okay, cool. You know, fire when you're grilling and it's in the grill. Okay, cool. Fire becomes an issue once it starts to spread to other places. And that's how I view secondhand anger. It is fire in that you are just lighting up everything that could possibly be a contaminant. And it's not fair because people are getting burnt in the process. And while you may feel like, nope, their actions and everything else that they did, you know, the narrative that they're playing to me getting this level of anger, they deserve it. And I get that. Because, like, I, we just had a whole conversation with me telling you some of the stuff that Nanny did. And I'm sure you were like, really? Yeah. But at the end of it all, she didn't deserve any of that. She didn't deserve any of that. That secondhand anger, that secondhand fire wasn't for her. And so as far as I'm concerned, you know, if I had to do it again, 
I wouldn't have done it like that. I would have simply expressed what my emotion was at that time, but it would have been contained because it was not to be spread on to anybody else. It is to be contained for the person who committed the fire in the first place. You understand what I'm trying to, did I make? Okay, you get me. But I feel like you got everything that you need. I got to go pick my baby up. This was a fantastic conversation. I feel light and free. I pray that you do also, but I want you to go back and do the work. There makes no sense living this thing called life if you're not actually living it to its optimum potential. Like, I don't understand people who get these new gadgets and phones just to do basic things. No, I want you to use it to its full capacity. So, you have a heart, I want you to love to its full capacity. You have a soul, I want you to forgive to its full capacity. Your spirit will always be, in my opinion, God's way of downloading things into you. And so if you feel a nudge anywhere throughout this conversation, I need you to go ahead and be obedient to that because we talked about those nudges and you need to be obedient to those. I don't care if you don't want to, I want you to, and then your feelings will catch up to you. So go back and do the challenge. We're going to have more conversations. And I'm proud of you for even... Because I feel a little bit of stubbornness, like, well, I ain't calling. I ain't say to call no one up. You don't have to call anyone up. We have a very falsehood thinking that the only way to resolve things is to go ahead and speak to the person again or meet them in person. I didn't say do any of that. I'm saying contain the fire and hold the person who started it responsible, opposed to making everything else around you a, a contaminant. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, everything else around you shouldn't be uh, in flames. It's not fair. But I'm going to go ahead and let you go. As my good, good nanny says, all right, I ain't going to hold you. Go ahead and do what needs to be done. You know what needs to be done. And I'm proud of you because I know that you're going to do it. I purposely don't check up on you to see if you've been doing these challenges because this is for your life, not mine. I'm going to treat you like you're in college, not elementary. I'm not checking behind your homework. I'm not checking anything. You know what the best check is? For you to be able to look back on your life and to see, have I grown? And if your answer is no, then you're not doing the work. And if it's yes, then I'm proud of you and we're going to have more conversations. Okay? All right. Have a good one. (laughs) I ain't mean to get on you, but I had to. All right. Later.